It's the year 1999. One of the biggest songs in hip-hop history, as far as Nigeria is concerned, was released by Kenneth Music. Having the remedies, that's Eddie Montana, Tony Tetula, and Idris Abdul Karim. One of the biggest legends in Nigerian hip-hop, Idris Abdul Karim, say what you want about him. Yeah. He has a place in history, and that's GOAT status. There might be five GOATs, there might be two, but you have to respect Idris's work ethic, albums, catalog. His rap might be questionable, but the fact that he paved the way, he was the gutful guy from Kano, multicultural Nigerian who was able to like domesticate what Biggie and Tupac did in the u.s and gave nigerians some kind of identity when it came to hip-hop wagwan i go by the name l-o-r-c-o-n and you're listening to the sample axis podcast stay tuned the sample axis administered by boyga and nelson yeah let me try that for pioneers that's why i don't even blame people for trying so when you listen to people have their first shot at photography or uh, being a media guy, the very first shot you take, the very first attempt to do something, usually might not turn out well. But then you learn the process. So that person that takes the risk to open up this identity. Because when you start like that, you give people a chance to use you as a pedestal, to yeah. learn from you. You have already like started something someone has not done before. So other people will be like, oh... Uh, Idris is not doing properly in this side, then let me introduce some maybe poetry. Let me introduce some more hard bars. Let me pick some more influences and then multiply because we as humans always stand on heroes' shoulders to learn and to grow. So pioneers deserve all the respect. So shout out to the folks who started this. But then we cannot begin the story like that without referring to some of people who we can address as those who attempted rap in the very early days. It's like the Yoruba rap scene. There is a story. Some guy called AY in the UK started to rap in Yoruba, was the first person to rap in Yoruba. But at the same time, Lord of Ajasa was down here, a career boy, Lagos mostly, lived in Lagos, made some solid rap music new york type hood type rap music hip-hop in yoruba language but that's a digression let's go back to 1994 1995 junior and pretty what do we know all right so yeah 1994-1995 junior and pretty coming out to be the first guys that actually become the face of nigerian hip-hop if there's anything we can call nigerian hip-hop at the time so you know these guys come around play around with words and you think about songs like bolandi and that comes to mind like oh yeah that was a smash hit at the point you know something that was completely different something that was out of the box and that's what they are known for and then you know after junior and pretty we had a couple of people try to do music that way but there was nothing that hit that was really really there and even the junior and pretty time i mean you're talking about times where you know alexo was still making good music and people were still vibing on that and that was the time where we had you know plantation boys coming into play as well and also a couple of other people were all up in the r&b space because we're still trying to sound like american artists at the point but then we switched Mm. automatically as at the 90s as the 90s were close was closing mm. there was a shift basically a I, paradigm shift i hope someday we can draw a graph that we start to tick off you know this histogram type stuff yeah where you start to bounce around some points to know when genres switch places when this started and how it grew how it evolved and all that we want to be the one to do that because of well, of course we're geeks and I love some math. <laughs> Let's right. go back to Obi Onyoha, Venom Ariogi, and the likes. There's something called cultural appropriation. I don't know if that's the way to say it, but I'm trying to make a point. Tony Nightingale, all the way back. That's even too far. I don't need to go that far. Ebenezer Obi and Tony Adi in the 70s were the template. Yeah. Pop culture in the Yoruba side of things, where we are mainly domiciled here. Uh, Ebenezer Obi, King Sonny Adi. Professor Waika Yajao, I'm sure at some point Aina Mawura, those were the musicians who played popular music in Nigeria for the elites. If there was a party, the richest folks will call Obe, will call Sonyade to perform. If it was in the East, we're talking Osadebe, yeah. we're talking Victor Waifo, Waifo yeah. we're talking some of Peacock, those the Peacock Band, High Life Music, yeah, we're talking about mixed you know, with Igbo, Oriental Brothers. So those were the people who sang for the, the VIPs, yeah, the that VIPs. was popular music at the time. Yeah. At what point did cultural music that was mainly juju? Okay, I don't know if this is the way to say say this, but at what point did juju music that was popular in the 19, 1970s 
start to tone down to make way for other genres. You can say as as early as the early 90s, basically, because you said something about cultural appropriation. Yeah. We were trying to get into the music scene with the cultural appropriation thing from like 1984, 1985. Mm. There was a vibe there because you said Venomario Mario Gay, yeah. Obi-Wan Yoha. Because I mentioned those because they were the bright guys. Yeah, they were the bright, bright stars and Alex Zito. I mean, Again, I cannot say bright guys. They were the cool kids. Yeah. That was, that's the, the way bright star. That's why I refer to them as bright stars. I can't stars. say bright because everybody is bright. I mean, no, 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 no. But, but, but yeah, you understand? Like, people that were kids. People, okay, cool kids. Urban, cool or people kids. that were all up in our faces. Mm. Like, we could actually see them all the time. So, yeah, you could see them play music all the time. And they became like a big deal. You understand? And then, as at the late 90s, there was there was this need for us to find an identity. And you know, um, people had tried to get, you know, record labels started. I remember I'll be Asika said it was going to start a record label. As at that time, but that didn't happen. Of course, and then, not in the 80s. No, no, of course. 90s. I'm talking about the 90s now. Yeah. I'm back in the 90s right now. And then, you know, music was just bouncing up around, like, up and down. I mean, we even had a time where um, there was no, like, a lot of music being released from the country because we were taking in so much foreign sound. So everybody was just chilling, you understand, and waiting for the next big thing. And that's when people like Plantation Boys, you know, decided to emanate from different places. I mean, the boys from the north came down here and decided doing good music. And these guys were proper students of art and hip-hop. You get the music thing. They understood exactly what was going on. Even though Lagos guys were the, you know, business-minded people, they still loved to enjoy the vibes because this was where it was. It was in Lagos that everything was happening. Mm. So basically, all these guys came around and they came back, they came down here and they started this music thing and they took it, you know, by storm. Because you know we know about the you know um, remedies story. It started with three, became two. Um, before before we push it forward to remedies, the question was: At what point did Juju stop being popular? That's what I said. The nineties, not popular. You can Juju has never stopped being popular. Uh, but when we say that's what I said, started to give Juju way. was contemporary in the seventies. Yeah, but like time to give way yeah. from like the late eighties from eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yes, there was a switch from eighty seven so, down. Those who took over. I'm trying to trace the. If we could find traces of Nigerian hip hop somewhere in the yeah, 80s. that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Now, Nigerian hip hop wasn't a big thing till like the 90s. First of all, don't forget that even hip hop itself, the staple hip hop, didn't start till like 78s. early 80s. You know, 79, mm-hmm. where you have Fatback Band doing their own song, and then um, you know we have the Sugar Hill Band come around and do um, Rappers Delight, which is the first official rap song. Mm. So in the 80s, my argument, I don't know enough, or my suggestion would be that we started to see more and more young people or English-influenced music, yeah. which is the Venom Ariogues, right? Yes, Which yes. is the Obi Onyoha. Onyenka Wenu, to make a song like that, tells you we were moving from very cultural to global sounds, in a way. Yeah. Onyenka Wenu's One Love is an R&B jam, if I... If yeah, R&B, r yes. jam, um, soulful jam as well. So, the American influence pushed it to the 90s now. Nas, B, J came coming out ninety four. Yes, and then there were, we had like um, Doctor Dre was already big at the time. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg was already coming in ninety three. We had Naughty by Nature that were taking everybody by storm. Yeah. Were, were they influencing us directly, or did it take some years to get here? What what? Do we yeah, mean? it took some years actually because I feel like from research and things known, it's obvious that we picked up late, and everybody accepts that as well. You know, we even even the OGs will say the same thing. If you play the song, if a song was big in the US, it took a year or two before. It got to us like deeply mm. you understand no it wasn't like the songs from shores of africa where we could always you know tamper or touch with or you know get into the vibe with these were songs that across the atlantic so basically to take at least a year to get to us fully I so i mean there was tv and radio yeah yeah there was so tv and radio but i'm saying like got like to get to us where we actually were vibing with it i mm. mean like as of the 2000s because of the heavy rotation on radio everybody was listening to foreign songs all the time mm. and songs were being like you know transmitted everywhere but i'm talking about like early 90s where we are still trying to understand are we on the Alex O vibe? Are we on the DCK Fowler vibe? Are we, you know, are we still listening to this guy's music? Quick question. Who sang Tell Your Mama, Tell Your Papa? Tell Your Mama, Tell Your Papa. That's Alex O. No, it's not Alex O. Michael Cree. Michael Cree. Oh, yeah. Michael Cree dropped sure? a couple of records, though. Life go better for you. Yes. Are you sure it's Michael Cree? Yes, Kree? it's Michael Cree. Yeah, it's Michael Cree. What decade? It's Michael Cree. Yeah, that should be 80s. Okay, yeah. Into okay. early 90s. Back to what you were saying. Same group as um, DCK DC Fowler oh, yeah. and also all those guys that sang, you know, big songs at that time. You understand that we're taking the what's that Chris Okoche song show me your waist or show me your back show me your waist yeah sh- sh- there's that this song that he had that was very dirty I'm sure I can't I can't even remember the song but it was so dirty we could even play it on radio at some point that's how bad it was and um, we have a couple of other artists I mean Wala Colombo by 
by Alex yeah. Zito. Has to be one of the yeah. biggest songs of Nigeria. Raski Muno under pressure. Time. Yeah, under pressure. And then Majek Fashek. A couple of records that were doing so good. Talk about, you know, songs like Send Down the Rain. Uh, I hope sometime we get to go to the Michael Crean uh, because there's a song by Soski Sambori Bobo. I think that was 2005. There about when it started. But Junior and Pretty did some rapping. That was 1995. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Junior and Pretty, you know, they, were the, um, they are called like the premier godfathers of Nigerian hip-hop music mm. because they were the ones that actually started the sound. Mm. You know, the, hip-hop. The, the whole thing yeah, called Yeah, the whole rap. thing called, yeah, rap. You know, you want to sound like, you know, you are no... Yeah, you're it a wasn't even a good it was a simple four bar flow. Yeah, and these guys were already popping from like '94. So you understand like the idea that they were like class apart basically because mm-hmm. I mean these were the guys that had the nerve to say you know what we're going to do is sound like this because yeah. we've heard it before and at this time you know rap was already at least 14 years old so it's not like rap was and don't forget that also as at this time and era the rap that was a big thing in that era was gangster rap mm-hmm. so they were coming in with trying to bring in you know diluted rap sounds and it was really diluted though i mean you think about it now maybe because of the rawness of the sound or the vibe that's why it's hip-hop but when you think about you know complexity being put Mm. together it wasn't basically hip-hop it was nigerian hip-hop i have a lot of digressions but we don't have time yeah we don't puff daddy at what point did this start being this fly guy i'm trying i'm I'm, junior and pretty video we saw it just a while ago yeah and i'm trying to picture who they were trying to be like was it Buster Rhymes was it Nas was it Snoop Dogg I mean if it's 94 you know you're talking about NWA you're talking about you know Easy E Warren G you're talking about Nate Dogg you know those were the days of the music guys there and so, even the kind of video we saw for a 95 video was like i don't know I, I, so I, I didn't want to say this but i don't want to say this but that's like we're like five years behind because yeah. those are the videos we would do in the 80s or in the late 80s or in the i don't know mid 80s this were like atlantic stars kind of video mm. do you understand because at that time we were doing you know well put together video like remember videos like don't be crawled by bobby brown well done you understand i mean this is 94 94 94 was where people were, these were already popping do you get if you need some peace of mind right now, go and watch Shadi, Your Love is King, random. <laughs> Back to sample axes, we have gone way too far. So, Sakomo is on the list today. The quartet we have for today um, is a very, very, very interesting one. I feel like this is one of those episodes that we should have probably done earlier in the season or earlier, like, and we didn't say something. I just remember. I like that we didn't mind. do it earlier because Q3, well, on Q3 right now. We didn't say that. This is the first episode yeah, of Q3. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, we should have said that though. Yeah. Just to let our people know that, you know, this is. Third quarter, yeah. episode 27, you know, going hard on this one. Um, the quartet is actually interesting, like I said. We have Michael Jackson from 1987, Liberian Girl, one of the biggest songs of Michael Jackson's career. We need to talk about that. We're going to take that. And uh, we're also going to talk about MC Light, Keep On Keeping On, featuring Escape. We're also going to talk about Tupac's Unborn Child. And then, all the way down to 1999, where we talk about the remedies, Shakomo. That staple Nigerian song, because even though Junior and Pretty had already released songs like Bolanle, songs that were really, really okay at that time and really good, there was no song that hit like Shakomo. Now, I know everybody would think, oh, like, why are you going crazy for the remedies? I wasn't a big fan of the remedies, even though I remember most of the songs of the album. I remember Shadi of the album, I remember Belinda of the album. There are a couple of other songs. That album is Peace Nigeria album that was released in 1999 by Kenneth Music, but Shakomo was that song that just stuck. You mm. understand? Mm. It had to do it everywhere. I mean, I, there's no, there's no way. And it was, it was the best. It was one of those songs that it was just perfect for the moment. You mm. know, it was a song to lead us into the new millennium. Yeah, so and every year for the next four or five years, people were playing the songs nonstop. Quick one because it was 2000 Y2K coming. I remember this. I was probably in primary two somewhere in Agege or primary four. I'm not really sure. Uh, Y2K was a thing. If you want to write the date in class, it had to be 1604. Y2K in the year 2000. Yeah. So the new millennium energy, I remember the AIT song, AIT, that communication. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I'd like to believe that <laughs> because, <laughs> we were, because we were moving, because yeah. we were moving from 99 to 2000, there was some more consciousness. People listened more to radio. People watched more TV. That's what I think. Uh, even though I can't really confirm that, but you know the Y2K effect, yeah. what's coming, because there was even one rumor at that time that some technologists across the world were planning to change uh, the hands of time, reset time in some places. So yeah. I'd like to believe that there was some more consciousness in terms of paying attention to the media, radio, and TV. So, And radio had to play music. 
I was asking how many radio stations were there in Lagos at the time. I'm sure Repower was there. Yeah, Repower, Metro <laughs> FM 97.7. I remember because I listened all the time. Radio Lagos, it's Tiwantiwa. Uh, Quick confession. Yeah. Instead of Tiwantiwa, I used to say Tiwantiwa in the district. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, like, you have to be in Lagos. That was commonplace. Metro FM, uh, Clogs, um, Sunlight, um, Sunset, um, Delight. That song, they played it every single time from from 7 p.m. or 5 p.m. Mm. all the way down to the night. You know, just, you know, long and short. Effect. Long yeah. and short, I believe that the fact that Shakoma was big in 99. To be. Big on radio. To be. If there was a celebration, if there was a reason to play a hit song on radio, there was no... Shakoma and the Remedies would be the guys to go to. They yeah. were the hot guys. Yeah. I'm sure there, at that time there was others. There was... Yeah, uh, I mean, Plantation Wally Boys... Thompson. Plantation Boys had already released You and I at that yeah, time. And Wally you Thompson. You and I was a big song. Plantation Boys, Plantation Boys mm. was already out at the point. Yeah. So basically, there was a lot Rasky. of things going on, you know. Rasky was somewhere. Yeah, Rasky was somewhere as well. And then Daddy Shoki was about to come yeah. into the flow. Baba so, yeah. Yeah, so basically, a lot of things were happening in the Nigerian industry at the yeah. time. But, you know, that Shakomo song was that song that just stood out. It wasn't the biggest, biggest, but you have to call it the biggest, biggest song so let's of deal 1999. Let's deal with the quartet. The fathers were going yeah. is Michael Jackson. 1987. And we have to start with that. Liberian basically. girl, give us a brief for Gen Z or yeah. someone who doesn't know nothing about Michael Jackson. Just hears the name, MJ. Yeah. Who is Michael uh, Joseph Joseph Jackson Jackson all right so Michael Joseph Jackson known as Wako Jacko um biggest artist of the all century time. not all time yeah maybe all time all maybe faster but for now but yeah yeah of that's his it. century yeah that's it Michael Jackson is the biggest artist of all time who, who, who is contender I don't know man. I really don't know I mean people will say people like Prince some Frank people Sinatra. like some people think Prince some people think Frank Sinatra I don't the Prince conversation who came yeah. first a prince who did more prince was the biggest in the 80s who did michael jackson more? went more obviously michael jackson so that's it that yeah yeah it. but you know it's because we are like saying that was you know that was the first thing that gave him i don't know prince, so, I don't, so that does it yeah I, I don't know i prince. think i'll explain better when i talk about this yeah. um all right so michael jackson for people who do not know this young man was born in i think 1958 started <laughs> young music. man he's dead yeah young man the young man was born in 1958 you know why i'm calling him a young man because i think michael jackson was forever young if there's any you know, um, person to was use that word to perfect, now. you know, okay to f- was, was, is forever young. Do you understand? Because Michael he, Jackson, the spirit is forever young. Yeah. Michael Jackson, the body is dead. Yeah. But like, because he was, he was you know, he was born into the game at an early age, you know, and then went on. I think we've talked about Michael Jackson a couple of times on this podcast, but because we, he's like the center of the topic today, we have to talk about him very, very well. So, Michael Jackson was part of Jackson 5. They did a couple of albums. I remember the ABC album in 1970 that was released. They recorded in 1969, but it was released in 1970. I think April 1970 was big, big stuff. And then the Michael Jackson guy had to grow. They did The Wiz in 1977. That Wiz production, it was a movie that they did. Motown Records brought people together, had backup singers. From that particular production, the amount of artists that have emanated Sherry Lynn, I don't know if you know Sherry Lynn, on call. I've heard name. Big song. She was a backup singer in that movie. So from that movie, a lot of things happened. I think it set the pace for future years because even a couple of artists that we know from now that were big then were from that stuff. So Quincy Jones, Jones who is the big guy, saw Michael Jackson and said, you know oh, what, I need to have this guy as ever, ever lived. Ever, ever done it. Ever done it. Truth being told, that man is... An all-star. He's 89 this year. Mm. So, Baba is doing good. He has a documentary. You can check it out on Netflix. You get a lot of stories. So, back to Wako Jacko. Mm. Wako Jacko um, went on to do 1979. So, when it was in 1979, Quincy Jones asked Motown record Barry Gordon to release Michael Jackson to do an album. Michael Jackson does an album and the album was called Off the Wall. Mm. We're setting the pace right now. So, during Off the Wall, Michael Jackson sold about 7 million records. For somebody that came off um, a group, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. But it wasn't enough. Mike Jackson, in fact, said he wasn't proud of the 7 million records. Mm. So, you know, the kind of like this guy was beaming at the point. Because he was already a child star. He was child prodigy. So, I mean, 7 million records was too small. Mm. So, Mike Jackson told Quincy Jones that he needed to put in more work. They needed to put in more work to release the Thriller album. Now, at this time, Thriller was not even in the talks at all. So, Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones record 70 songs hmm. to be released for the album. Now, they picked only 12 out of it. This is 80. 82. Okay. Now, Michael Jackson was still young, pretty young at the point. I mean, in his 20s, so he was just making it. But 
when they released uh thriller it did madness hmm. thriller went on to do i mean there's word that he sold 66 million records hmm. i mean the official thing is 33 but people say now nah, it was about 60 million and records. this is accumulated over years and years yes over years and years and it's still the, apart from led zeppelin's record one of his records that is the most sold record of all time thriller is like thriller is the like second one but hmm. we that love music we say thriller is the most sold song of all hmm. time now why are we talking about this most of the songs in 1979 and 1982 like thriller like off the wall like Rock With You. Those are his three biggest songs from those albums. Maybe you want to be starting something, maybe. But those songs, out of those songs, only few of them were written by Michael Jackson. Mm. His three biggest songs were not written by him. Rod Temperton Roads of the World, Rod Temperton Roads, Rock With You, Rod Temperton Roads, Thriller. So basically, they had not seen Michael Jackson's, That's Michael so Jackson be Michael Jackson with his writing. Now, don't forget, Michael Jackson is the one that wrote Speechless. Is the one that wrote This Is It. Is the one that wrote a couple of other songs, um, Black and White, Heal the World. He wrote all those songs himself. But as at that time, he had not released the song that he wrote himself. All the songs he wrote himself were always probably like in part B because he really didn't connect. Now, Michael Jackson didn't release an album for five years. He had already changed that time from Motown to Epic and CBS. And then 1987, he went on you know a tour to go around and pick on the best of the best producers. And he wrote a couple of songs. So Michael Jackson releases the song of the bad album in 1987, and the name of the song is Liberian Girl. Take a pause. Wagwan, I go by the name L-A-Y-C-O-N, and you're listening to the Sample Axis podcast. Stay tuned. The Sample Axis, administered by Boyga Nelson. Yeah, let me try that. So this is 1987. Yeah. Michael Jackson started his career at 70. And it took 17 years to make Liberian Girl after a few albums, right? Yes, yeah, starting in 1966, please. Uh, okay. So let's plus, just put that out there. Plus four, that's 21 years. Yeah. 21 years after starting, 87, he makes Liberian Girl from the album Bad. One of my best songs by Michael Jackson, by the way, is Beat It. Okay. Apart from Off the Wall, I Rock With You. It has to be my Liberian Girl. I want us to run away from this Michael Jackson conversation because it's an inexhaustible topic. Yes. But Liberian Girl, Liberia is one of the countries in Africa. So what's the relationship? What's the story? He had already written a couple of songs on his own at that point, but like there was something that was needed. You know, Michael Jackson had not released a song for five years, so there was a need for him to hit it big. Hmm. And then he does Bad. Bad is a beautiful album. You know, Bad had Smooth Criminal. Bad had, you know, um, Blood on the Dance Floor. There was a lot of big songs from that album. But... The song that everybody talks about the most, and this song is quite spiritual. I know people are going to be shocked to hear this, but Michael Jackson never performed Liberian Girl live. Never? Never. No legal issues, nothing? Nothing. He just never performed it because it he felt like it was... A spiritual song. Two people have done this thing. Two people have done this thing. Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye's last song off his album before he died in 1984 is called um, My Love Is Waiting. And he chose not to One perform. of the most beautiful songs ever. I mean, there was a particular show he was meant to perform the song. In fact, the instrumentalists already cue in the song. And, and, they, and he went on and on and on and on and then he just, you know when you, you're trying to run away from a song? Yeah. Like, I feel like this is a music thing. I don't so know. It's not like pride. It's not pride. It's like, I don't think I can replicate this effect. Yeah. Did you get? And I don't want to tamper with this. Yeah. Because I remember in that, when you watch that video, I mean, this is making me laugh because it feels, it feels really good talking about, you know, spirituality in songs and all that. Um, they said Michael Jackson had a personal connection to the song. So mm. even in the video, he didn't perform the song. Do you know how weird it is? Let me, let like me. In the video, I mean. I, I, I can understand this from a personal point of view. So there are some times you are down and there are some stories you don't want to share. Maybe because they make you feel vulnerable. Maybe because you just want to like keep that in a safe space somewhere. Look at the way he sang the song. Yeah. That's like professing. They call it simping nowadays. Like I said, women have that effect on men where they literally disarm you. Like they, they cut off your wings. Yeah. And then you become a mumu. Oh. Literal mumu. Maybe Baba didn't want to be caught on stage simping, literally. I mean, I showed you a video of Janet Jackson performing to a man... On wheels or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I was gonna. You almost cried. Did he like, cry? Like that's he so cringy. 
<laughs> so cringeworthy. Like, bro, what's going on? And there are some hard guys that would never do that. So yeah. if Michael Jackson says, I don't want to be vulnerable like this, especially if it's a, a sexual song like that, if it's Heal the World, you know you want to inspire with that. But I don't think Librarian Girl, a lot of people thought Librarian Girl was very, like, was empowering. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a couple of comments. Empowering in what sense? Even though you know, you, you could tell he was talking from a place of like, I love this person. Mm. It was obvious he was trying to, you know, show that she's amazing. Came all and you of changed me, world. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. You came and you changed my you see, world. Just like in the movies. No, I know. I, I'm very sure it was one of those songs where you know, like just special like, songs. Yeah, and I saw, like, yeah. I actually saw. Yeah, I actually saw um, a couple of like you know comments where a couple of African women said sharing the song. You know that okay. A Liberian person, which is African, 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 do you understand? Not like a girl from Massachusetts or yeah. Houston. You're seeing an African woman. And there's African something woman. about meeting a woman from another planet or like, from another side of the world. Uh, uh, yeah, another, like another yeah. part of the world. Especially and, African women. Yeah, African there's women. There's a muse, there's they a charm. Effect. But if yeah. we're going to talk about African Bro, women. Bro, we don't... We're, we're I've gone too far. <laughs> so the beat is the reason we are here. Yeah, but we need to talk about the song first. No, no, no. Like that, would be an, that would be another day. That would be another day. So, all right, all so right. the beat is iconic, produced by Quincy Jones and others. Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson produced the beat. We'll, we'll do the production credits much later. Yeah. So this beat is nasty. Nasty. That's the, the definition of um like there's some beats that are special. Yeah, like, like in two minutes juicy fruit. Like uh, um what's Naughty is that? by nature's uh jamboree. What's Rick Ross sickest beats? Aston Martin music. Yes. Yes. I, I feel good that I just said that from the top of my head. I, I would say Record hustling. This down. I would say I would have said hustling, but hustling can be replicated by many and other And then Drake's Drake's and Lil Wayne's Miss Me. I don't know that song, but maybe Gospel Gosp- can't even cut it. But there are some special beats. Mm. This is one of them. So yeah. this beat has been sampled, of course, by a lot of people. A lot of people. We are only featuring. We are featuring MC Lights today, bouncing down to Nigeria much later in and the conversation. And then we talk about you know Tupac that is a stretch later. So MC Lights in 1995. Yeah, 1996. 1996 does a song featuring Escape. Yes. And they make something titled. Yeah, titled "Keep On Keeping On." And it's sampling Michael, Michael Jackson, Liberian girl. Yeah. All right. So, um, 1995, the movie um, Sunset Park was about to come out. One of those black, you know, themed movies where you know, talking about basketball life um, as a black person trying to make it out of the hood. So that movie was really was put together, and um, they needed music for it. And a couple of people were called in to make a soundtrack. And one of the people that were called in to make the soundtrack is. Jermaine Dupree. Now, Jermaine Dupree is known as an act, an actor, uh, a music director, a producer, a uh, music artist, a rapper, all those things in one. And he was one of the biggest guys in the 90s that, were, that was doing it in terms of making beats and, you know, recreating sounds. And basically, as a time, we're talking about 96. 1995, 1996, that's like um, time where people like Queen Latifah were making big songs like Fly Girl. Which was a big song. I know a lot of people that know Sly Girl. Even I know a lot of people in my generation that are like probably like way younger than I am that know Fly Girl from Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah is still very familiar with this generation. Yeah. Maybe because she's in movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm even saying Fly Girl for a fact. Fly Girl is an old song. Mm. Fly Girl's in the early nineties, I think nineteen ninety one. Back to Fly Girl. Um yeah, Queen Latifah, Lil Kim, those ladies and my most amazing artists from the nineties that I know I love for a particular reason. Foxy Brown. Yeah, you know, Foxy Brown, big on Foxy Brown. We're going to talk about her some time later. MC Light happens to be one of those artists at that time. Let's not forget also Miss Lauren Hill. Yeah, at the time, you one know, of the, the goats, and then one of the goats. And wait, I think we are saying the goats too much. Goats in what? Goats in the sense of goats. These people that we have called goats today are goats. We have only called two people goats now. Who are the two people that have called goats? Oh, three actually. Who are the three people I've called goods? Idris Abdukarim, yes. Nigerian hip hop context. Yeah. Michael Jackson of all time. Now Lauren Hill. Goats in American hip hop. Yes or no? Yes, boss. Why? Where does she rank? Top ten, top twenty. <laughs> you see, now this is going to be a conversation for another day. But trust me, there's no proper rap List. act or rap cultured person. That, that doesn't think Lauren Hill and doesn't have a, a place. Question. It's just a yeah, question. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She, she, yeah, has, a she place. has a place. So if, if there you are know, 10 goats... You're always going to see... People are always going to surpass what you have done. If there are 10 goats, does Lauren Hill still have one place? In female 
history no, in hip hop, not hip hop. I think so. I think Maybe. so. For Just same reason, because of her genre is quite vast. One more question: Do you think there will be more than two females in a top ten goat in hip hop? No. Okay, let's go then. Back to um, MC Light. All right, so MC Light, uh, one of the artists at the time that was doing quite well, big ups to her at the point. And there was something that was significant about that lady, her voice. Mm. So she came around and she did, you know, the song. Her voice has this, you know, um, strength, vocal strength that is beautiful. She sounds, yeah, it sounds so, sounds so raggedy and innocent. And beautiful at the same time. Yeah, still street. I mean, you can tell that this is a street girl talking, mm-hmm. but she sounds so innocent at the same time. You're like, I lie, you just miss for street. I kind of get that little you get, you get, Lil but, Kim energy. Yeah, Lil Kim, but you know, Lil Kim is still from Lil Kim will, will be aggressive with yeah. it. But she, she's very calm. Back. And that's why still, even, still elite. Yeah, for, for the new guys who don't know who MC Light is, if you have ever seen any BT Awards from 2005 till now, the lady that talks behind, yeah. that introduces everybody. That's MC Up until recently. Yes. Whoa. That's what I said from 05 to now. Steady Whoa. check. MC Light because it's a steady check for over 16 years. So no what, jokes. What's the thing about women who work in the media and also play hip-hop? I think um, I think the uniqueness... Not is, just women, I mean is, men is a thing. It's a thing, it's a thing basically. Especially for women. For example, Lauren Hill, she did great. She could have won an Oscar as well. I mean, Queen Latifah, she has been nominated for an Oscar. You get so MC Light, all those ladies, they so have they this, run in the same circles. They are media people, they are yeah. not just rap culture people, mm. media people. I know a couple of people that were actually good as actors, but they didn't continue. Look at Ice Cube. Ice Cube was NWA, mm. and Ice Cube is a big mm. movie star today. So it's a, it's a rap thing, basically. Yeah. So, like, in Nigeria, I mean, you Tupac, talk about Tupac, we talk about poetic justice, talk about Jews, talk about gridlocked. People don't, so people don't know Tupac was an actor. So we don't know Tupac was darn good. Mm. Not just good, good. Like, call me crazy right now, but, you know, big men good. Like, I wanted to call somebody like... Hey, um, Elba good? Idris no. Elba. Why are you doing like this now? Are you... Idris Elba is... Are you, you spitting on Tupac's level? I mean, okay. Tupac did biopics. Tupac did, you know, stories that were so crazy, 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 crazy. So you're saying beyond Idris Elba? If he had Maybe. stayed on, obviously. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, but like, you know, obviously, big respect to Idris, big yeah. man. You know, uh, let's, like James Bond. Let's, let's let's leave that and then come back to why we are here. Yeah, Idris Abdul Karim, Eddie Montana, The Remedies in 1999, sampling 1995 record. Which one exactly did they sample? What does it sound like? They sampled. Now this is how we are going to do it. But we have to say it correctly. Uh, Michael Jackson's Liberian Girl was sampled by MC Light. Okay. Now the turn was a bit dragged, so it was lower than usual. And then the chorus was taken by Escape. I need to, we need to get big ups to Escape. Um, I think one of the most popular person in Escape is T.I.'s wife, Tiny. She was part of the people who took the chorus for Keep On Keeping On. You know, she's very obvious in the video when you see her because she's the tiniest of the group. Makes sense. That's why she called her Tiny. Also, MC Light, the beat was dragged a bit, you know, slower than usual. And then there was, you know, change in lyrics and everything. But yeah. the flow was not the same thing because and Mike Jackson time, took that song like a love song. Mm. MC Light's song was a song for you to not stop, keep on keeping on, just like the lyrics and just like the title, title of, of the song, song. It's says. It's a motivational song. Yeah. So yeah, MC Light did that, but then push 1995 to 1999, five years later or four years later, um, whoever the producer was, uh, a song like Shakomo sampling MC Light. But can I say something about that though? Yeah. Call me crazy, but I feel like they just ripped off the beat, laid it under, and they just worked on it like that. Sampling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I mean, like... Let's sh- not say rip sh- off. Sh- Sampling. Sh- yeah, yeah, they sampled it completely. Should we, should we give full credit to whoever produced it? At least they made an effort. I mean, like, let me explain something. German Dupree took Quincy Jones' beat, dragged it, changed the pitch restructured it a little bit mm. so it doesn't sound I mean you could hear that it's the same thing but, but it's not the same thing is, something changed but then Shakomo and MC Shakomo and keep on keeping on same thing I mean someone sat down Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones sat down and made an entire production yeah. from the piano whatever to program to, to the part where the beat drops boom that's boom that's where the work is done yeah MC Light whoever produced whoever adjusted pitches and all that didn't do so much. So if someone is inspired, 
to do near the same thing i don't think there's a major problem all we know is people are inspired by other beats other people's music and then they they, they want to remake it but eventually uh one thing i just know is that you can't get royalties (laughs) from uh you can't get money there's a certain level you can go with um a beat that you have not cleared i don't think that's may have been cleared was there could there have been a way to reach out to mc yeah Light? yeah, yeah. Uh, and mc lights cannot even lay claim to that can on the record for mc lights quincy jones and michael jackson were credited in their okay. different facets like obviously producer yeah quincy jones and german Dupree, so um writer michael jackson if shakoma was to have been made in the u.s who do they get permission from quincy jones yeah quincy jones okay clear so yeah that song was dropped i think we should take a short break uh, and then put that in place. So we're going to play Liberian Girl by Michael Jackson. And then the song that sampled is MC Light, uh, Keep On Keeping On from 1995. Let's compare the changes that happened to the beat just by a tiny snippet from both songs. This is Sample Axis. Stay here. Welcome back. Um, you just listened to the song Michael Jackson's Liberian Girl and MC Light's Keep On Keeping On. But that's not where the talk stops. We also have two different artists. The last person we're going to be talking about. Yeah. The Remedies. And we started with them and we ended with them. Yeah, but there's also somebody somewhere. Even though this was a posthumous album, I think this is one of the biggest Tupac songs ever made. I remember that when you want to think about Tupac songs, let me drop that on you because I'll probably I'm a big Tupac fan, so I feel like that might be, you know, biased a little bit. Tupac song that you know, biggest Tupac song you know. Biggest that I know changes, but the, the one, the song that I love most is Letter to My Unborn Child. Okay, good, good. I think my best song from Tupac has to be Letter to My Unborn Child. Yeah, but, there's gem but, on somewhere. But, like yeah, it's a gem. But I know, I know I feel this thing when I listen to Dear Mama. And I also feel something when I listen to Changes. Mm. And there's something. I don't know whether you know this song. Brenda the baby. All eyes on me. I, I do. It's a diss song, jam. Yeah, no, it wasn't a diss song. Hit them up. Yeah, it was hit them up. Song. Hit them up is the biggest diss song ever. I don't think nobody's going to. I don't think anybody. Ita. Eh? Ita. Which song? Nas. Nah. To eat them up. Nah. I don't so sure what, that, what was we, the decider? We'll talk about it later. Okay. But then. I remember there was a forum at some point. I mean, when I was in secondary school, I remember Naira and Okay, that it time. was against Biggie. It went round. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was I mean, the biggest this song ever made. It's eventually, if not for anything, the beef led to the death of one or two of them. So, that qualifies it. <laughs> yeah. so. That shouldn't be a great quality. But, I think that song was perfectly made. Moving on. Tupac, Letter to My Unborn Child. One of the most beautiful songs from Tupac. Heartfelt. And the perfect beat to go with it, don't mm. you think? Yeah, legit. I mean, uh, the fact that he could have drawn whoever produced that, yeah, drew... produced by Johnny J, Trackmasters. 
baddest guy. Whoa, I've talked about track masters a couple of times. Yeah, that's you know. produces for Nas a lot. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, so this man from 1987, Michael Jackson, Liberian Girl, the same song that we talked about on the first half. Uh, we now have Tupac in his posthumous album uh, making that song. I mean, I love the message in the song, Letter to My Unborn Child. Yes. Uh, Ever since my birth. Iconic stuff. Yeah, iconic stuff. And uh, one of those songs, like I said earlier, um, heartfelt, obviously perfect song for a perfect beat and it just made sense. Mm. And obviously the song went on to be number two in Belgium and, you know, went on to do big numbers in the US as well. I mean, for a posthumous album, at that time, there were a couple of songs already. I mean, you know, Changes is also posthumous. So, Tupac, one of the reasons why he's rated as one of the best of all time was because his posthumous albums were so good. I mean, like, we know two of them, the two that died at the time, they had two posthumous albums that were really good. Mm. I mean, talking about, like, Notorious B.I.G., More Money, More Problems. And then there are a couple of other songs as well that, you know, people would really write on. Those are people that are big Tupac fans mm. would fall on and say, yes, this is the song yeah. or these are the songs that should be there and up there. So, back to Shakomon, what part of Tupac's piece can be found on that song? Yeah, the... But by the way, same posthumous album by Tupac was dropped before 99. Yeah, I don't know. that Shakomon, it wasn't dropped in 99. There was one that was dropped before 99, but there was another one that dropped in 2001. So how do we connect Tupac to Shakomo? So Tupac, Tupac is way ahead. This is two years in after Shakomo had been released. Mm. We just have to talk about it because it's one of those songs yeah. that took the beat to new levels. Yeah. Because even though Shakomo was big for us nationally, it was only big a little bit internationally mm. because around the Nigerian audience in different parts of the world, they really love the sound. Mm. But the song that took Liberian Girls beat, MC Light's song again, so another level was on Boncha when it was released in 2001. Mm. It went on and did crazy numbers. So it was still the same era from 95 to 2001. Yeah. We're talking six years. Basically, that's I'm like sure the, the same, sound yes. was like the same at the time. I think we, we should talk a bit about the state of music at the time. I think we were starting to see hip-hop do much better, uh, do much better in terms of sound. Busta Rhymes, uh, Fabulous, Jada Kiss. These guys were out there leading to the 2000s we started to see Mary J Blige the nice videos 50 cents when sometime around. yeah I feel say early 2000 let's say 90s early yeah, 2000s so what was the state of hip hop and how was it evolving uh, from say 95 into 2005 I mean that 10 year bracket yeah 95 2005 uh, the difference is much actually because you are talking about gangster rap transitioning to watered down lead rap back, that we have Jaru lead back rap. you know lead back Jarura and Ashanti doing and then you know Fat Joe mm. and Ashanti R. Kelly mm. you know what I'm saying so I mean <laughs> Aliyah too came in you know doing a couple yeah. of records you know we can't say it's hip hop but it's hip hop because I remember it is A-R-Y-A-H I don't know the song I don't know Nas was in his back too yeah. Nas yeah. Uh, nah. got yourself a gun nah nah yeah one mic too released around this time one as mic. well in the 95 uh, we're know. talking if I rule the world yeah if I rule Fuji's were doing big at a point as yeah. well and then Naughty by Nature took the world by storm with Jamboree 1999 1999 not 1999 that's yeah. what they like to call it you yeah. get I know they also released a couple of other songs as well and we had time this was a time where everybody was trying to handle something new yeah good times because I mean Warren G you know doing you know regulate that's a big jam I don't know if you have never see now random fact again this is from Nelson you want to listen to proper rap sound 212 talking about Snoop Dogg Warren G and Nate Dogg but you need to listen to Warren G and Nate Dogg's regulate I just dropped that a gem free publicity Ludacris at the time yeah Ludacris went crazy Um, area codes I think Akon was starting to show up early 2000s. Yeah, Akon, Akon, yeah. Uh, And you know what? I just realized how much of an influence Akon is. When I listened to... You know, yeah, I was going to talk about this. I said, yeah, perfect time to talk about this. This just came into my head right now. Not part of the show. I'm sorry, I need to digress a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was thinking this evening when I listened to a song. I'm like, what makes a song a classic? And I realized and I told myself the fact that you listen to it after about five years and you can still feel and you still feel the, the same spirit effect. of the song I'm going to say this right now Kelly Kelly Love by Tiwa Savage is a beautiful song yeah I, think, I feel so I think bad it, I never acknowledged how good that lady is I actually think Love Me Love Me had an effect on me more than Kelly Kelly Love no I mean obviously I'm talking about talking about this from the musical sense yeah. of it I'm not saying in terms of effect on me I've always liked Tiwa Savage beautiful artist I don't digress too much bring back to Ludacris 
as well. Songs like Area Code still hits. You know, listening to Need Dog's voice all the time. What's Akon's Nothing but a classic. G thing. And then Akon, thank you so much for bringing me back. Ghetto. When I said um, Kelly Kelly Love, I remember Locked Up. That's a beautiful lonely. song. Ghetto. Lonely. I mean, lonely. we know Lonely was sampled, which is something we should touch on very, very, like, very soon. But Amazing also, time. Locked Amazing up, time. Locked up, beautiful so Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, I mean, I, I used to buy Selection then. Uh, Akon and Snoop Dogg Smack that was on one of those I mean there was one Akon CD Akon whatever that I bought don't matter nobody wanna see us together but stuff like matter, that no. so Akon was cause the, I got you <laughs> <laughs> I got you babe yeah. Akon was the chorus guy for many of these hip hop heads and then pushed that forward Lil Wayne started 2000 and whatever uh, Lollipop then the sound started to change. Rick Ross, Drizzy Drake, who is, who is artist of the decade, early 2011. But we're going way too far. Staying in, I wish we were able to explore some more uh, late 90s into the early 2000s. Uh, Shakoma, back to where we want to wrap up. Uh, how many albums did this guy do? Uh, Idris Abdukarim split from the group. Yeah, after 99. Did pass. After that album. Pass was one of his albums. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Lecturer. Pass at, yeah, Mr. Lecturer. 2002. Uh, the King is back somewhere when he featured um, Rugged Man on Koloye 1. The whole this situation. Ah, that's a good uh, song. Ijeta Larira. Yeah, solid. So, Idris Abdukarim has done it on many levels. I was listening back to some of his main jams. There was one by Idris and Mood 9, DJ Vini. Uh, and I pushed that forward to a song that he made recently. It's called I'm a Legend. Rugged Idris MI and the chorus was done by YJ Rugged Man somewhere on the GOAT list uh, MI literally number one that's debatable but a, a lot of people agree that MI did it the best the greatest in Nigerian hip-hop Idris of course Mode 9 somewhere around that list so for, for three of those biggest guys to be on the song I can respect that. So, uh, one of um, Idris's albums too, Letter to Mr. President, after the Jaga Jaga episode, did like an apology or maybe like a makeup with President Obasanjo at the time because there were comments here and there. There was a 50 Cent episode where he was complaining that why do we give props? Why do brands give uh, this much care to foreign artists when you don't care for us? So, he was taking a 50 Cent seat on a plane. And then that, that became a thing. He was moved off of the seat and then he became uh, a fracas. Enough with Idris. The other part after the split, Eddie Montana, how much did he do afterwards? Not so much, actually. I think Eddie Montana basically just left. left but there are some street. tracks to his name, Shadi. Yeah, yeah, Shadi. But Shadi was off, you know, Peace Nigeria. I remember Shadi. So, that's you could a, do solo. I remember that's a jam. You could that's actually jam. do solo even within the group. You could yeah, do a yeah, solo yeah. song. Yes, yes. I mean, okay, thinking about it now, one of the people I can actually remember, The Barge, The Barge, Rhythm of the Night. And the Rhythm of the Night, that mm-hmm. album, Rhythm of the Night album, the first song was the only song they did as a group. Every mm-hmm. other song of the album was did by L. The Barge. Individuals? No, not individuals. One person did the entire album. What were the other people doing? <laughs> Chilling. Okay. They only did that first song together. And I think because maybe they have scheduling... Um, I mean, scheduling you can conflicts. understand when groups have one vocalist and everybody else is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they did, most of them did not even like... I heard. I mean, like, what was being recorded. And you know how these people are mm. always serious about stuff like that. Apart from that song where they came together to record that song. After that, they didn't do anything again. Fast forward to present day. Eddie Montana is really out of music. Yeah. But Idris is still kicking it. Yeah, I mean, he did a reply like, to Professor Kayamos. Idris is saying, I, I'm still here. I'm still kicking it. Maybe not at the highest level level but i'm here yeah and that's and that's something that is cool so basically we have given you uh low down i, I wish 2022 was part of this um sound but he wasn't so yeah shakomo stood alone the remedies was initially tony setula idris abdukari mm. and eddie montana yeah. who went on to change his name to eddie remedy when he became the remedies yeah but this song shakomo was done by eddie remedy and idris abdukari Although 2022 went on to have the biggest song, my was it car, my car? 2001, yeah. my car, and he also went on to do Omodimenta Sherry, which was a big song where Blackface went Massive. hard at Idris Abdukarim. That's, like, that's like top 10 hip hop songs in Nigeria. Yeah, 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 Ever. yeah, yeah. Top 10. About the way, because it was well put together. Yes, you probably have a reason to talk about. Amendments are some sometimes in the future, so yeah. let's let's roll credits. Uh, All right, credits. let's let's do it. Credits. Uh, Michael Jackson, Liberian Girl, 1987, uh, produced by Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. The album Bad. Tupac, Letter to My Unborn Child, featuring Tenor Jones, an amazing voice, taking the vocals uh, for that one. 2001 album Until the End of Time, produced by Johnny J. 
Johnny J Track Masters, and also MC Light Keep On Keeping On Year 1996 recorded 1995 album Sunset Park as a soundtrack and Bad As I Wanna Be from the year 1996 producer Jermaine Dupre. The Remedy Shakomo 1999 album Peace Nigeria producer. Peace and blessings. Your Twitter. All right, my Twitter is NWAENIE, capital N, and on Instagram, NWAENIE.Nelson. You can find me on Twitter, Buiga underscore Adelia. Find Sample Access Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, find us on Google Podcasts. We'd like you to subscribe to this and rate us on Apple and Spotify. And share with your friends. I would like this to get to as many people as it can. We appreciate your time, and we'll see you next time. We out. We out. Many things learned in prison Blessed and still living Trying to earn every penny that I'm getting And reminiscing to the beginning of my mission When I was conceived It came to be in this position My mama was a panther loud Single parent but she proud When she witnessed baby boy rip a crowd To school but I dropped out And left the house Cause my mama say I'm good for nothing So I'm out since I only got one life to live God forgive me for my sins Let me make it and I'll never steal again Or deal again My only friend is my misery Wanting revenge for the agony they did to me See my life ain't promised But it sure gets better The sample axis administered by Boyga Nelson. Yeah, let me try that.